thanks for dialing into our podcast. We're the Light Church Bradford here in Yorkshire, England, a church committed to following Jesus and loving our city back to life again. We truly hope and pray this week's message helps you and encourages you on your journey, especially in these really challenging times. Okay, great. So we're going to hear from Rachel now. He's going to bring our word to us from the Bible this morning. Um, So yeah, I'm really excited. I think it's going to be a challenging one and inspiring one very much as we head on to this Easter theme. So let me pray and then Rachel, I'll hand over to you. Yeah. God, thank you for this word that Rachel is about to share. I pray that by your spirit that you would really speak to and challenge us. God, may it not just go to our heads, but really capture our hearts and lead us further into what it means to know and follow you. Spirit, would you empower Rachel right now to speak these words to us? Amen. Amen. Great. Can you guys hear me? Is that microphone on? Yeah. Lovely to be here. I feel like I haven't been here for a while because I've been having the best time in kids' church, which has been great. Um, But as it's been said, we're taking a pause from our discipleship framework theme and we're starting to focus our attention on Easter. And in a moment, I'm going to ask one of our young, wonderful young people to come and read some scripture for us. But before he comes up, I want us to have a look on the screen at some powerful looks. Now, if you were here at our Mother's Day family gathering last week, we talked about the look a mum can give you sometimes when you just kind of know. She doesn't have to say anything, but you just know. So I think we've got that on the screen or a version of that. There it is, look. You just know, right? (laughs) You just know. Let's have a look at the next one. What do we think that look is saying? Sneaky, right? Something sneaky has gone down. (laughs) What about the next one? That one. (laughs) What is that look saying? (laughs) Somebody is wearing some weird clothes there, I think. That's what I think it says. And the last one, this is my favorite. Oh, (laughs) how do dogs do it? How do they give you a look and you just like, take all the treats, have them. So cute, but you will be really pleased to know that we are not focusing our attention on any of those looks today. We are going to get into some scripture. So, Sean, would you like to come up? Sean's going to read for us, and all will become clear. Now, many of you might not have met Sean. He's fairly new to church, he's maybe been in the country two months, three months, something like that. Comes with his family. And I've asked Sean to read our Bible verse because every week that Sean comes into church, he brings his Bible and I love it. And he's our young person that brings his Bible and I just feel like, Sean, God is going to do some awesome things with you because he comes every week just like, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to learn. So Sean, would you read us our scripture? And then I think we should give him a big round of applause. Let's just get you a microphone. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, of Peter's love for Jesus. When Jesus mentioned one of the twelve would betray him, Peter replied, If all fall away on account of you, I never will. Lord, I'm ready to give, to go with you to prison and to death. He insisted, 
he insisted emphatically, even if I will have to die for you, I never, I will never disown you. I'll lay my life for you. That same evening, after they had arrested Jesus, Luke 22 says this, Peter sat down outside where they had taken Jesus. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely and at him and said, this man was with him, but he denied. Woman, I don't know him. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I'm not, I'm not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. Then Jesus turned and looked straight at Peter, and Peter wept, went outside and wept bitterly. Well done. We are so proud of you, Sean. Let's give Sean a round of applause. Well done. <laughs> it's great to champion our young people now, and we have one of them sharing a testimony at the end of this talk, which I'm already really excited about. It's funny, as I've been preparing for this word, knowing that we're coming up to another Easter, I read all four gospel accounts of Jesus' last week, and maybe what should have happened to my spirit in being lit up and fired up and ready for Easter Actually, the opposite kind of happened, and I slumped a little bit in tiredness and just went, God, what is it all for? What is it all for? And I want you to hold on to that question as we go through this talk, because we'll come back to it at the end. In one evening, Peter went from bold proclamations that he was ready to die for Jesus to being totally uprooted by the escalating circumstances. So much so that he can't even admit to a slave girl that he knew who Jesus was. And the truth is that even though Jesus had spent many times, had tried on many occasions to chat to his disciples about his upcoming death and even about the end of the world, when things actually started to get worse, his closest friends all scatter. They physically move away from Jesus and they're completely unrecognizable in character to even a few hours before. And in Mark 14 verse 50, it says this, then everyone deserted him and fled. The Greek translation of that is to leave someone by not taking them as a companion. They changed so much that they fled and left him as he was. And sadly, and it is sad, we live in a world, don't we, and things are getting worse. Things are escalating on so many levels. And all of this year, I've been trying to work out, am I so impacted by that because I'm just not used to seeing things on global levels escalate? Or is it because things are actually getting worse? And the more that I sit with it, the more I think it's the latter. 
and we've heard many, many times in preaches all around the world, we all know, don't we, that the way of the world, the way the world is working, isn't working. And I feel that we could all rationally say and accept that before Jesus comes back, we expect the world's ways to bring more pain and more oppression and more suffering on all of those things that feel hard. But as we move through the reality of what that looks like as we see it happen and what that feels like when we experience it, I want to know if we're going to become like Peter and our faith is going to get weaker as things escalate or are we going to allow ourselves to become spiritually stronger, to become bolder in our faith? As things are escalating all around us, have you lost your voice that can confidently confess that Jesus is still Lord and Saviour, even in the midst of everything that we're living through? Or could it be that in this moment, the faith that you have, Jesus wants to make it even bolder so that we can cope with what's happening around us? In Peter's moment, fear anxiety, maybe even some embarrassment, they all win over any faith that he had in Jesus in that time. And then there's the look, the look that Jesus gives him. Luke twenty-two sixty-one. Jesus turned and looked straight at Peter. And none of us were there, so we can't really fully imagine what that look was like. But I just want you to close your eyes right now and try and picture yourself in that courtyard where Peter was, sat by the fire. He's just seen Jesus arrested. Picture yourself there. And Jesus picks you out with his eyes and looks across at you above all the other people. Scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 that one day we will see Jesus face to face. And right now, as you're looking back at him, I wonder what do you see? What do you see in his eyes? I think Peter will have seen a mix of two things. I think he will have seen a deep love, a deep love in Jesus' eyes for Peter and I think he would have also seen a deep sadness. Not because Jesus needed Peter to confess who he was, but because Jesus would know how it would feel for Peter if he couldn't do it. He would know what that brokenness would feel like. And as soon as Peter realizes fear and panic have convinced him to disown Jesus, he is broken on the inside and it describes him as weeping bitterly. When things get harder, when things get worse, which we know rationally, we can say that we expect them to do. Don't let fear and anxiety convince you that coming away from Jesus is the safest course of action. Don't let them cause you to start to doubt his power. That will only leave you more broken than when you started. And as the trauma of war has overtaken 
the trauma of the pandemic and as the prices for pretty much everything are on the rise, as our news feeds are filled with pain and suffering and the outworkings of evil decisions, as the world plummets, it's still plummeting into further confusion about what the truth is, right? Nobody knows what the truth is. And at the same time, we all feel more pressure to have everything sorted, to live our days like we've got it all sorted and worked out. And still, we come up to another Easter this year. How do we process all that? God, come and tell us, Jesus, what is it all for? I read a prophetic word the other day, and if you follow prophetic words, my advice is absolutely test them, weigh them in your own spirit and see what God speaks to you. But this one I found really encouraging, and it just said, in this season, God is testing your ability to be unshakable. Find the rock under your feet and stay there. And I loved it because I just thought, yes, God, you are totally unshakable. Even if global things around the world make me feel shaky, even if I'm inconsistent in my response to you, you are constant. God, make me so that if I'm in that courtroom space and you're looking across it, make me so that my eyes are fixated on you so they don't flicker when circumstances escalate. Don't let the enemy convince you that looking anywhere else for answers is safer and more stable than fixating on Jesus. Don't let the enemy convince you that surging turbulence means your voice of faith in Jesus is invalid or gets weaker. Keep looking at him and let your faith in Jesus get bolder. It doesn't mention Peter again until at least three days after the resurrection. And those days in between must have been so hard for him. Can you imagine that? So tough. You might read that in scripture and feel like, don't you think Jesus has the right to be mad at him? Peter has disowned him in his hour of need. Don't you think Jesus has the right to exclude him from his future plans or disown him as well even. Maybe somewhere in you after you've looked at Jesus this morning, there's something in you that kind of goes, oh, I feel like Jesus has got the right to leave me behind. Fortunately for Peter, Jesus doesn't leave him in that place of brokenness and shame. And we read in John 21 that the resurrected Jesus goes out to find Peter. He literally goes and stands on a beach while Peter is in his fishing boat, waiting for Peter to notice that he's there and it's him. Imagine the look in Jesus' eyes there Just imagine it. If you want, you can take a moment now, close your eyes, picture yourself in that fishing boat, maybe the weight of your shame pinning you down. You have no idea that Jesus is coming for you. And then you see him. You see him stood on the shoreline. What's in his eyes there? What is that look? And when Peter realizes it's Jesus on the beach, he drops 
everything. It even describes in the Bible, I don't know what they used to wear when they were fishing, but I think there was some, they maybe had to go and, I don't know, change their clothes and they had like a fishing, well, you can imagine it, can't you? It was probably really grubby, something really grubby. And he was supposed to get changed when he's left his fishing boat, he's supposed to get changed, but he doesn't. He just runs as quick as he can in whatever grubby clothes he's wearing, jumps out, runs through the water. When he gets there to the beach with Jesus, there's no telling off. There's no condemnation. There's no sense of exclusion for him from God's future plans. Instead, Jesus stands there, now acting in the full redeeming power of his death and resurrection and speaks that redeeming love in purpose over anything that Peter has done. He speaks forgiveness over everything that he has done. And it is that same redeeming love that Jesus is speaking over you. Jesus died for you, even as you are covered in sin and captive to all of the things that you've ever done wrong. Jesus is intentional in coming to look for you, to seek you out. He comes to that shoreline and he stands there watching and waiting. And I just want to know, do you know anybody else who loves you just as much as Jesus does? Who else would do that? Here's the thing. It's a little side note. Peter didn't have to run out of that boat. He didn't have to run out of that boat to meet Jesus. He could have stayed there. He could have kept himself at a distance, allowing the brokenness of his human failure just to prevent him from coming to the only one that can offer complete restoration. And if you've known moments of weakness in your faith over these last two years, like we all will have done, it always amazes me how quick there's a voice in your head when you know your faith has been weak that just says, you can't come as close to Jesus anymore because you've done this or that or this. Or it says, you're not good enough at doing these basic things. Try harder. Jesus can't trust you with his plans. You'll be excluded from the next ones. You don't act in faith like this person does or that person does. You must not be as good as them. Jesus is disappointed in you. Better stay away. And the purpose of that voice is to root you exactly in where that boat is. To root you in that shame so that you never get out. So that you're always kept at a distance from what Jesus truly has for you. But don't believe it because it's not the truth. It will prevent you from being released by Jesus into what he has next for you. Look at the story of Peter. Look what he did to Jesus and yet Jesus comes to find him and stands on the beach waiting for him. Whatever weaker moments you've had in your faith over these last two years, however you feel right now, whether you feel a bit numb, you don't know how to process what's happening globally, whether you're confused, frustrated, heartbroken, apathetic maybe, you've just turned your faith dial down because you can't fit it in context of what's happening around us. 
Maybe you're a bit frightened. Maybe you're concerned. Maybe you're clinging on for more of Jesus. The power of Jesus' death and resurrection means that he eternally comes to find you because he loves you. He loves to restore you. He knows exactly where you are right now and he stands there waiting for you to realize that it's him and everything that he has for you and your future. And this Easter, as we start to focus more on what Jesus has done for us, I want to ask, do you need to let go of anything that is rooting you in that boat? Is there anything that is preventing you from running full pelt to meet with Jesus as he stands and waits for you? If you have quiet time with Jesus where you just sit and focus in the week, ask him. He'll show you. He'll show you in your mind where he wants to meet you. And he'll speak to you when you get there. I had a really lovely um, pastoral chat with somebody a few weeks ago, and um, I'm not going to share who that person was because obviously that's really confidential, but I was really encouraged. We were talking about how do you hear from Jesus? How do you see Jesus? How do you get to that place where you're like, I just want to run towards Jesus, and sometimes you can know that you want it, but you don't feel it, and so it's hard to get there. And we spent some time praying, and Jesus gave us this picture of just being by a riverbank, That's where he was meeting this person. And so after our chat and in the weeks ahead, the excitement to spend time with Jesus just upped because she'd spent time with him, spent time seeking him. And Jesus had shown her a specific place that he wanted to go and meet with her and talk to her. And however you hear from God, God wants to speak to you. God is there and waiting and wants to speak to you. Let's keep going. I want to pick up in Acts 2. This is roughly two months after Peter's denial, so not long really. But listen to the change in his boldness of faith. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. So I've put a couple of Greek translations in here. Crowd is this word plethos. Basically means a massive number of people. Let me explain this to you. I can tell you confidently, Parisia, translated as free and fearless confidence. So now, two months after Peter's uh, denial of Jesus, he's now stood, we're learning that he stood in in front of vast numbers of people in fearless confidence and boldness, he says this. Be assured of this. God has made Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. With many other words, Peter warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Let's just have a little look at our timeline of Peter on the screen. Over the course of his lifetime, Peter went from being an absolute nobody. And I say an absolute nobody, not because Jesus thought he was an absolute nobody, but because we didn't hear about him. Okay? To then he's a Jesus enthusiast. He's fired up. He's willing to die for Jesus. He can't stop talking about it. 
Then he becomes a Jesus denier. When things get hard, his faith gets weaker. And then, finally, he becomes a kingdom builder. You were made to be so bold in your faith that you are a kingdom builder. But I wonder if you relate to something else on that list. Do you feel like an absolute nobody this morning? Maybe you're currently a Jesus enthusiast. You know that you love him and that is wonderful, but when things get harder, you know that there are weak areas in your faith and you can't explain them and it makes you wobble and it changes your character maybe a little bit. Maybe perhaps you're in that little fishing boat right now. You're living under the weight of a past mistake and maybe feeling too ashamed to be closer to Jesus. Or maybe you've accepted Jesus' redemption. You're ready to kingdom build, but you just need his Holy Spirit to ignite you, to help build with him. You know, Jesus hasn't made you and called you to be a Peter. Hasn't called you to be a me or a Matt, or a Faraha, or anybody else in this room. He's called and made you to be a you. A you. Living to the fullest version of yourself in love and bold in faith for him. And I wonder if you've spent any time recently asking him what that looks like. It was the redeeming power of Jesus' death and resurrection on that beach plus the infilling of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost that enabled Peter to be the most Peterish version of himself in Jesus. And it is the exact same for you. Those things are offered freely for you, to know Jesus' redemption, to know his love, to know his infilling of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to interject something here a little bit before we start to wrap up. I want to talk to us briefly about how we maintain bold faith. Sometimes you meet people and they have such a bold faith and it's almost like they carry a spirit of urgency about kingdom work with them and it's infectious and they're on fire and it's just like, I want some of that faith. How do you maintain it? But for most of us, and maybe even those people in certain seasons, having such a bold, resolute, on fire faith is something that we consistently struggle to maintain. And I think it's okay that we talk about that. And as I read through all the gospel accounts, I was struck by two things that Jesus mentions right before the start of Holy Week. And one of them that he starts to tell his disciples the parable of the 10 virgins, which you can find in Matthew 25. But he's basically starting to teach them the importance of maintaining bold faith after he's gone. And the wise five that keep their oil lamps, aka their Holy Spirit boldness burning, when they keep them burning, when Jesus comes back, they are invited to spend eternity with him. But the five others, 
who allowed their oil lamps to go dull and not even recognized when Jesus comes back. And that's so hard for us to do. It's so hard for us to maintain that bold faith. I think it's impossible without the work of his spirit. And the problem that we've got is that none of us have any idea when Jesus is coming back. And I don't know if you're like me, but when you've got a deadline, I love working to a deadline. I love it. Or when you had exams at school or college or whatever, the fact that you've got that date in the diary just ignites a kind of a boldness and an urgency to like, right, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to be ready for here. But we're being asked to maintain bold faith in the day-to-day of life when we have no idea when Jesus is coming back. No idea when that deadline is. So it's okay to talk about if that feels hard sometimes. If we knew that Jesus was coming back next week, what do you think it would look like? Right, it would change everything, yeah? You'd kind of meet people in the streets and in the surf markets and be like, ah, do you know about Jesus? Do you want to come to this? I imagine that there'd be 24-hour prayer, 24-hour worship, just constant, constant, constant. But we don't know, but yet we're asked to keep our oil lamps burning through the everyday busyness of life. And as the world gets harder and the wait gets longer, and when we can't focus our attention on any kind of deadline, we're forced to focus all of our attention on Jesus. And as we've been going through the discipleship framework this year, you'll have heard us repeat, be with Jesus, be with Jesus, be with Jesus. And we're not suggesting loads of ways that you can do that to put a load of rules or regulations on you. We're suggesting it because we know that in our boldness, if we don't have enough boldness to get out of the boat and run towards Jesus to spend time with him, we can't maintain that flame of faith. Peter probably thought he'd had it. That's it. He was never going to see Jesus again. His last moment was being weak in faith and that's it, he didn't get to spend time with him. And that's a really heartbreaking thought, but we know better. And Jesus offers us a limitless time with him. We just have to choose it. Peter could not have brought Jesus to the world the way that he did if he hadn't have spent time with him, living in the redeeming power of the resurrected Jesus and filled by his spirit. We cannot maintain boldness, living in the fullness of who God has made us to be, if we don't access the same things too. So let's draw it to a close. What is it all for? And as I studied everything that Jesus went through in his final week, everything that he did after he rose from the dead, I concluded in my heart again, that it's all for Jesus because he was all for us. It's all for his kingdom because he made us, each one, uniquely to build with him. It's all for his return because one day, no matter how hard the world gets, he's coming back and he's going to set everything right Will he find you living in bold faith when he does? So I want to close with this. This is the second thing that the Holy Spirit led me to. There are two Greek words to describe 
the word of God in the Bible. One is logos, which means the written word of God. And one is rhema, which means like the utterance of the living word, the now prophetic voice of God. And I feel that this passage from Matthew 24 that Jesus wants to speak over us today is both. So yes, we can learn in the written word, but I feel that this is absolutely God speaking us over today, just like he said it to his disciples about 2,000 years ago. Talking about the time after he'd gone, Matthew 24 says this, see that no one leads you astray. Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming that I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. All of these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. Don't love that bit. And you'll be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Don't let your love for Jesus grow cold when wickedness is increasing. Look at this bit. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And then I've tagged a little bit on from Matthew 28. If that makes us feel worried and anxious. Surely I am with you always. This is Jesus. He knows what it's like right now. He knows if it's going to get harder. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So as we come up to Easter... As we think about Jesus' death and resurrection, as we try and put it in the context of everything that is happening in our world right now, just ask yourself, is my faith going to get weaker like Peter's? Or is my faith going to get stronger, going to get bolder because we're learning from Peter? And I just want to invite Ethan Aspinall now up to come and share his testimony. Don't know where Ethan is. Here he is. Yes, let's have a round of applause for Ethan. <laughs> so we've got two testimonies to close and then we're going to respond in worship. And Ethan, I'm not going to share too much. We'll pray for him. He's just somebody who has the word of God just brewing. God's asking him to do something and has an amazing testimony for us, which involves a word about boldness that he believes God's given him for the whole of church. So let's just pray for Ethan because this is his first time sharing. God, we're so thankful for our involvement from our young people in our service today. God, would you bless them abundantly? And Ethan, as he steps out for the first time, God, would you give him everything he needs? And would you grow in his heart as he speaks out his words? In Jesus' name, amen. Go for it. Uh, first of all, I'd like to thank Rachel, Vincent, Elsa and Steve for praying for me and encouraging me to speak up in front of you all today. Psalm 56 verse 3 reads, When I'm afraid, O Lord Almighty, I put my trust in you. I grew up in a family of five where church was an important part of my parents' lives. 
Because of this, I attended church regularly, but, I, but until I was about 10 years old, I did not truly realize the reason I went to church. I think the majority of the information about God in my early life came from my mum, to whom I frequently directed questions about the meaning of words or phrases from worship songs or the Bible. In year seven, I had a conversation with a couple of my friends about Christianity, and I had a spark, an idea, a feeling from God. Just a little realization that my faith was not just about believing in him and trusting in him, but sharing his word with other people. Not long after this, in March 2019, I went to a Christian camp in Wales, and I journeyed through services for youth, and I had lots of different experiences with God. I made, I made a lot of new friends there who were, who were all extremely nice and willing to answer any questions I had about my faith. The presence of God really surrounded me, and it was the first time I noticed that God was with me. One amazing trip I would love to do again is when I went to DTI last August with the Light Church Youth. DTI stands for Dreaming the Impossible, and this experience was one of those moments where I was trying my hardest to see God, and then he opened my eyes so that I could see him in all of his beauty. I finally understood all the grief, pain, and suffering Jesus went through to forgive us, and it made me re realize how amazing God is and how much he cares for his people, and that he would send his son down for our sake to forgive us all, to forgive us of all the sins we ever did and ever will do. After DTI, I knew God was asking me to step out. I wanted to share Jesus with all my friends, but I didn't know how. I knew I wanted to start sharing the word of God, but it hasn't been easy knowing how to do that. During an encounter service about two months ago, I knew I wanted to ask someone to pray for me, but I didn't feel brave enough to do it at first. Eventually, I decided to step out of my comfort zone and ask Vincent to pray for me. And then God gave me this vision of a canyon. They're deep, dark, and can seem uncrossable. Held across this canyon, I saw a rope, a rope bridge. It's made with strands of long grass twisted together to form ropes that create the foundations of the bridge. Planks of wood are held across the bottom. The sight of the rope bridge might not be convincing that, you will hold, that it will hold your weight across the canyon because the stability is not always visible to your eyes. I picture this bridge as God. His power is not always visible to us, but no matter how big our problems are, or the canyon in this matter, he will carry us over them safely. I also believe that the people that have little faith in God will struggle to have the confidence to cross the bridge. However, this does not mean that they never will. As Christians, it is up to us to help these people who are struggling in faith to point out the strong foundations of the bridge and help them put their trust in God. Then they will have strong faith in God and have the assurance they need to cross over their problems. And as these people face dilemmas, they will remember the strong structure of God's bridge and be able to, and be able to cross the canyons more easily every time then eventually be able to help other people who are struggling to believe in God. So I believe God has asked me to help out and share this today because he wants to show you this bridge with the vine rope and he's encouraging you to step out in faith, to remember what you know about him. He wants to help you overcome obstacles and dilemmas that may come your way, whether it's big issues such as finance struggles, trouble with relationships, health, and health unemployment, or just everyday problems. I also think it's because he wants to remind you, even when, you, even when you might not see his power at work, even when we strive to overcome things by ourselves, isn't God always there holding us up? And this is a good challenge for us all to think about how we will lead others to take a stop, step onto that bridge, 
to support them in their faith being built by God, so they are strong too. It wasn't easy for me to step out in faith and ask for prayer, but by standing out of my comfort zone and asking people to pray for me, I have experienced lots of things I never could have done by myself. And I wouldn't be standing here today if I hadn't done it. So to close, I want to leave you with a couple of questions. Will you step out onto that bridge and put your faith in God? And are you going to help someone who doesn't know God as much as you to step out onto their faith bridge? It's up to you to make that decision, for God is always there. Let's pray. Father God, when we feel like there is no way of crossing over our problems, help us to see the sturdy bridge that you are and get to the other side. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are so proud, and Ethan, look, all your friends came to watch you do that as well. Young people, this is exciting, because the more you get involved, the more that God will speak through you. And we are just so excited what God is doing in the lives of our young people at the moment. So before we sing, we've got one final super quick testimony. Faraha sent me a voice note of this about her. She didn't know we were going to be preaching on boldness, but she sent me this, and she was like, oh, I wonder if God's leading me to share it. So Faraha, tell us a little bit about your experience of stepping out in boldness over this last week absolutely I'll make it really quick um but about six months ago um I was doing a fast with my sister I was fasting and praying and um during that time God kept putting the word Glasgow in my mind the place Glasgow I thought it was a bit random <laughs> but I just carried on praying and I thought God was saying just pray for the city of Glasgow um so I prayed and I prayed and I kind of left it there but the more I prayed the more I prayed as the months kept going I just felt this sense of urgency to um to go to Glasgow and um so it all sounded really crazy, but about three weeks ago, God was like, book a ticket, go to Glasgow for the weekend, and just, um, and just pray for the city, as you do. <laughs> so I obeyed, and um, thankfully I have a friend who lives in Glasgow, so I went. Um, but the whole time I was there, I would just walk around the city and just pray a blessing over that place. Um, wherever I'd go, whether it was in a restaurant, I'd pray that God would bless that place. And I made some amazing encounters with people, but one in particular... Um, it was actually Mothering Sunday last week. Um, I had finished church at my friend's place and I was walking and I was about to do a couple more exploring, but I felt God was saying, just sit here on this bench and wait. And I was like, okay, Lord. I knew, I knew God sent me there on assignment, so I was really alert and I just wanted to be kind of in tune with his voice. So I sat on this bench, started reading my book, and um, about half an hour later, a woman walked across and sat next to me. <laughs> And so we striked up a conversation and we started talking and um, she was telling me all about her life. She was originally from Mauritius, had lived in Glasgow for 50 years, was married and had um, kids who had all grown up. And um, her husband died a couple of years ago. And so she was grieving him and um, had moved back to Mauritius and came to visit her kids um, to surprise them. But Unfortunately, their relationship kind of deteriorated, so they didn't, want, they didn't want anything to do with her. So at this point, she was actually living in a hotel for like a month, 
Um, she didn't have any connection. She, this, is, this is her city where she kind of was her home. So she, this was her on Mother's Day on her own and just had this kind of heavy grief and pain. And um, I just felt at that point, God was saying, just lay a hand on her and pray for her. So I asked her, do you mind if I pray for you? <laughs> and she said, actually, I would, I'd love that. No one's ever prayed for me before. So I just stepped in faith and I prayed for her and she was sobbing and crying. And um, yeah, we just had this amazing God moment. And I just felt that was a, a real, God sent me to Glasgow to meet this woman. And um, <laughs> And actually after that, she said, you know what, actually, um, I don't have any plans today. Do you mind if we walk around the city and go get fish and chips together? So we did, and we spent five hours together just talking, and I kept, um, I got her details, and since then have been um, sending her um, mes uh, messages and um, just scripture that God has put on my heart, and I just kind of encouraged her to keep praying to God and talking to him and to lay all her worries at his feet. So good, isn't it? So good when we step out in boldness. So I can see that we're coming to the end of our service and I think we're going to have one more song and I just encourage you that if that has spoken to you in any way, there is prayer available. Um, you can come to the front for prayer, you can find somebody afterwards, but don't leave this space if God has spoken to you this morning. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, you made it to the end. That's even more encouraging. If you'd like to find out more about who we are, visit our website at thelightchurch.org.uk. We pray God's blessing on you now as you go into the rest of your day.